Hello there, beautiful people of the universe. That's how I start my podcast. Welcome to Shine Brighter with Liz. I am so excited for you guys to be here today. This is episode 20. Like, I'm I'm so ecstatic that I get to say that. Episode 20. I've been doing a podcast that I have 20 episodes that I have shared, produced, had conversations with people, had thoughts that I've come up with. Guys, 20 episodes, that's a big deal and I'm extremely proud of myself. But mostly, I'm just so thankful for you guys too who have listened in, who have followed, who have messaged me, who have been on the podcast. To all of my incredible guests that have taken the time to be on it, I'm extremely grateful. You guys, I can't tell you how excited I am for today's guest. I I will tell you that our episode was amazing. It was such a spiritual conversation and I really didn't even think it was going to go there. To be honest with you, I didn't even know that my guest was the spiritual or that she's in the spiritual journey. But sometimes that's amazing how the universe or God works. Um, They place the right person in your life and in the moment to have the conversations that need to be had. And so I'm just so grateful that I was able to have it and that I'm able to share it with you guys. Today's guest is somebody that I'm privileged to even say I get to have conversations with. I'm sure she would be humbled by the fact, but this person is incredible. Her name is Priscilla Garcia Jacquier. She is a Television Academy young writer to watch. Most recently, she was a part of Brian Grazier and Ron Howard's Imagine Impact inaugural class. She has served as the writer assistant to Alexander Delanieris from Birdman and most recently, Graham Moore, The Imitation Game. In 2018, she appeared on Forbes for her digital talk show, Quiero. She's assisted Kenny Leon on Broadway's Holler, If You Hear Me, and Camila Forbes on the Labyrinth Theater's Sunset Baby. A native of both France and Colombia, Priscilla was the first Latina to graduate from Carnegie Mellon's undergrad directing program in 2014. Yeah, she's a big deal, you guys. Like I said, honored, so honored to have had shared this hour, two hours, getting to chat with Priscilla about God, faith, struggle, eating disorders, everything, you guys. The most incredible thing that I'm learning throughout the Shine Brighter with Liz podcast journey has just been that people are human. Human, and they're raw, and they're real, and they're doing human things. And I'm just so excited for the conversations that I get to share with you guys. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to bring to you this episode with Priscilla. I hope you guys enjoy. Awesome. So we're recording. Hi. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on my podcast. I'm super oh God, excited. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. I'm super excited because you always on social media are always sharing things from mental health to your opinion and, you know, everything about your life. And I find you super inspiring and such a lady boss and such a go-getter. So I definitely was so excited when you said yes to being on my podcast. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um, the first question I love to ask my guests is, Let's start from the beginning. So what were you like as a kid? Uh, What did you want to be? What was your journey from where you started to where you are right now? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, the feeling is very mutual. I'm very inspired by your positivity and everything that you put out into the world. Um, Where did I start? I, you know, I'm the youngest of three. My brothers are six and seven years older than me. Um, I was born and raised in Colombia. My mom is French. 
And so I kind of grew up like shuttling back and forth my entire life. But I like to say that everything around me was really big. Like by the time I was born, my dad was a fourth term senator in Colombia. He was kind of like a headhunter politician. I grew up with bodyguards. My nanny was a police academy cadet my dad hired. My brothers were both six, eight by the time they were 16. Like everything around me was like gigantic, you know? Um, and I felt like I just really had to keep up and like learn very quick in order to be a part of the world that was around me. Um, but this sounds really intense as like a four year old, but something that was explicitly clear to me when I was a child was I like, I kind of grew up being like my dad's cigar girl. Like my household was like the Mecca of like Colombian aristocracy, you know? And again, and I just wanted to be a part of it. Like I just wanted to be a part of the world. I think it's like, just wanted to mingle as fast as possible, you know? Um, and something that was very clear to me was that like, while my dad had a lot of legislative power, uh, and both of my parents are brain doctors, like they've had power to help people their entire lives and my entire life. But something that was really clear to me was that Shakira had more power than my dad. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but like as a young, like Colombian kid, Shakira was like, she was the epicenter of what was possible for us, you know? And it was, she was opening schools. And at the time she was like 18, 19, she was opening schools. She had her own foundation. Like she could speak out about voting. She was like so political. Um, and even though my father was, you know, changing legislation and really kind of hitting on parts of Colombia that were very disenfranchised, it felt to me like Shakira didn't have to compromise on what her message was, you know, and on what she was saying in a way that my very political father had to compromise um, in order to get things moving. And so that's when I was like, I'm going to go into the arts instead of following my father's trajectory. Um, and from it just kind of took off from there. I I made that decision very young. Like I was, I remember being like six or seven and being like, I'm going to be a storyteller. My dad's the most incredible storyteller. Politicians tend to be. Um, but again, it was like, what form of storytelling do I want to go down? And from there, you know, we like eventually moved to Miami. Um, because Columbia got really terrible. It was like that stereotype of Columbia in the 90s. And I got to Miami, I got involved in theater. It was a thespian, like kids do. Do you know what I mean? Like kids do in South Florida, like <laughs> all the, the competitions and the stuff. Um, and eventually my mom, this was like 2006. You know, we were in, in Miami. It was like my brothers and my mom and I. My dad has always stayed in Columbia um, by virtue of his career. but. It was 2006, and my mom decided that she would move back to be with my dad, you know, again. And I was about to start high school, and my mom was like, do you think that, that you would be willing to start high school in Columbia? And there was no part in me that wanted to do that. You know, I, I love my home country very much, but there was just a notion of, like, I wanted to create and build on my own in America, and... I, I could never pursue the career in entertainment that I want in Colombia, right? Like, I wasn't going to be a fucking journalist, like a, like a, you know what I mean? Like the yeah. like a weather girl. I just was not about it. Um, so I went to boarding school and I say this because it was a, it was a boarding school for the arts and 
even then it was very clear to me that that was like one of the first steps in like a very long marathon that is like being in this business. Um, it's crazy to me now that there are kids who like didn't follow theater or like didn't go down the path, which like, you know, when you're 14, like it makes sense that you get to change your mind. But to me at 14, I was like, this is the first step in like getting to where I want to get. Like this boarding school is the first stepping stone. So I went to boarding school for acting. I was an actor there. Um, and I had stage managed so much and I freaking loved it. I loved it. It was like a, a it was a sense of, this makes me sound like a crazy power hungry <laughs> asshole, but I really thought about power a lot. And I still think about power a lot. I think when you watch your father have so much power, I want, I really wanted to recreate the platform that my dad had here. And so stage management quickly led me to realize that maybe I could be a director and not an actor after all um because of that right just like creating a constant platform and I went to Carnegie Mellon as a director uh and things just kind of took off from from there like that's like where I started shaping my vision and my platform and what I wanted I think I got to Carnegie Mellon. I was the first Latina to graduate from that directing program, which like, it was amazing for me, but like ridiculous for the school. And I say this with like a lot of tart and pride. Like, I'm not even sure. I don't even know how this came up. I think one, a professor told me once, and then I was like, is this real? And then I started doing research on like past alumni. And I was like, I guess this must be real. Like if there was another Latina, I think I would, I think I would know her. Right. I think I would have heard about her. Um, but that ended up being the best thing to happen because it made me have to reach out to people who possibly knew what that meant. Like I really needed mentorship. I was told that this was an important thing, but like what happens is that when you graduate as the first of anything, it means that no one who's like you has come before you. And so you have to build what that means. Right. So I reached out to everyone. I like cold emailed, like, I mean, I was cold emailing like Christy Halbegger and like Nelly Galan, just being like, I need guidance. I'm being told that this is a thing that is important from the school and I don't know what it means. So by the time I was ready to move to New York, I worked for Kenny Leon and Camilla Forbes and both of them incredible leaders in the theater. And specifically were really teaching me lessons of like how to be a leader of color in the arts and what that means and the kind of impact that you can have in your community and the kind of leadership that that requires. And they were the best training overall. Um, but this is very long winded. Um, I will, I'll leave it at that, that, that they kind of opened my world up to New York and then I was in New York for five years. So, and now I've brought you up from like the little Priscilla to like more recent. And now you're in LA. <laughs> and now I'm in LA. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that about you as a little girl with your with your dad and the bodyguards and all that. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it was an intense upbringing, but I I feel I'm really grateful for that. I, sometimes I feel like based on my family's life, like if I were to just like stay in a room for the next thirty five years and like never experience anything new, I could still have like material. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. To talk yeah. about. That's amazing. That's super, super, super cool. Okay, so let's talk about this. What has been the longest lesson that's taken you the longest to learn? Oh my God, I feel like we're just talking about this. Yeah. Um, okay, so something that I'm very open about is mental health and addiction and the dance between the two. Um, 
I had a terrible eating disorder from the age of like, I want to say like 10 to 21. Um, and then after that, I started like really abusing drugs and alcohol. And I think the deal is that growing up in such an intense household, I was really raised to believe that life should feel completely like you're on cocaine all the time. Like, go, 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 like that high, like you're in it, like life is a roller coaster. Like, if, if it doesn't feel that way, you're doing it wrong, you're lazy, right? Like, lazy is a big trigger word. Um, and I really was chasing that for a really long time. Like, I was, I, I didn't know how to pause. And I didn't know how to pause in a way that wasn't self-destructive. And I feel like I've been running from that lesson my entire life. Like, this is the first time that I have idle time where I have done everything I can. Like, literally, my only lesson right now is, like, waiting. And I have been running from this moment my entire life. It's the first time that I have idle time where I'm not in an active addiction. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting because my brain still wants to say you're not doing enough right whereas what I can feel in my intuition and my like connection to like the universe or god whatever you want to call it is like wait this is the lesson I've been trying to teach you forever so just wait like learn how to wait graciously and it's really hard it is so hard because your ego wants to be like you're not doing enough you're lazy get out you know um so kind of accepting that life isn't a cocaine high all the time and realizing that that doesn't mean that I'm a moral failure Mm -hmm. so hard I'm trying to learn it now I'm being forced to learn it now to be honest yeah like I love that and and like similarly like for me I grew up in a very chaotic household and um in just a sense that like everybody was high anxiety like everybody had their own anxiety that they were carrying from my mom to everything that she was trying to juggle, like raise three kids, you know, like trying to get a nursing degree and, you know, like my stepdad, like just everything, like, but also like still dealing with divorce. It was just so much, like as a kid, just so much anxiety in a house. And I remember like a moment of like what, it's really when I started dating my current partner, he's the first person that introduced stillness to me because he grew up in like love and stillness and like like peace and like what is that like yeah and like a lot of love like like a lot of like beautiful like just like we got your back like just he has a beautiful family and like I have a beautiful family as well but just like they're more chaos right he's his stillness and it was so interesting like walking into that because his mom would tell me she's like you know you, you shake a lot when you talk right and I'm like what She's like, yeah, like your hands, they tremble. Like you're, you know, you have a lot of anxiety and like, like, I want you to start going to therapy. And like, I want you to start, it was like the first time anyone ever saw me in this, like still Mm. from a stillness perspective. And then I just remember like having to deal with a lot of things that would come up when I was with them. I'd be like, why do I feel like, like, what is this feeling? And it was like pure love. It was love that I was feeling. It was like love and stillness. And I, learn so much about being okay with um not constantly being on the go and you know my partner has been really good at also being like you know Liz you don't always have to be working on something like you can just 
He's like, he's like, you're very task orientated. Like even when it's time for bed, I'm like, okay, well, do you want to read a book or do you want to do this? Or do you, he's like, how about we don't do anything? And I'm like, well, what is nothing? <laughs> like you have to do something at all times. Like I'm very task orientated. Um, but now I'm finding that like, it's really nice to, to have that, to have that stillness. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I start craving it more. Like I start being like, when I start feeling like all this case, I'm like, well, I'm going to go for a run and like literally meditate or do something like that. And yeah, it's, it's crazy though, because a lot of people still are stuck in that chaos and they'd have no idea that this stillness exists. And that's the way the world is also run, right? Like it's very counterintuitive to be like, to lean into trust and openness and Mm -hmm. like surrender, like the world and the way that it works does not support that. So you kind of feel insane being Mm -hmm. like, let me trust that surrender is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Like it it goes against everything that is kind of like ingrained in us Mm -hmm. from the outside world. Yeah. And I love that you say that because yesterday I was like meditating and like, it's so weird. And I love that you kind of like bring up God and stuff because for me, like when I was meditating, I was trying to explain it to my partner, but sometimes I feel like he thinks I'm crazy and I'm sure it's because I probably sound crazy in the moment, but like, he's very accepting. But I, I just like, in this moment, I was like, I was like, babe, I just meditated and I really felt like God was standing in front of me. And I felt, I was like, it was so beautiful. I was just like, I had my hands like right here and the wind was blowing and I felt like the wind was colorful. And I felt like I was like kind of zoomed up from my body and like I saw things from a third eye perspective of like everybody walking around me was filled with fear and anxiety and I was just told that like life is good and there's like abundance and like joy and happiness and like you have no idea what's to come honey like there's so much more than you see beyond your eyes and like just like lean into like this joy and this like this promise that I have for you and like, don't feel like you, he's like, don't feel like you need to be holding on so tight. Like trust that I've got it all worked out for you. you yeah. Know? And that, that is like such a huge step. Yeah. It truly yeah. is. It truly is. And I feel like when people can tap into that, like, and then I did this like really weird thing. <laughs> like I like kind of like put my head like on the ground, like, like that. And I was just like, kind of like doing some yoga but also just like being in stillness and connecting to the world and I was like wow I like for a second had to like stop and like go deep inside myself and then I kind of was going deep inside and I got freaked out and I kind of got out mm-hmm. and I was like well there you go like most of us don't like going in that's the issue that I found was that when I did that I was like I got scared of what's inside of me and it's like I feel like if more people just took a second to see what's inside of them then we would just be living in a more like understanding world. People would be like, oh, wow, like you're not walking with this pain that you've been holding on to for 15 years. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. That's just kind of what came up for me. I don't think anything you're saying is crazy. Um, it's like, I understand the world from only a spiritual perspective. And I think I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. And it's always been this way. I think when you grew up, like the fear our life was so at stake when I was growing up. Like the fear of being kidnapped, the fear of losing my father at any moment was very real. And my my like spiritual understanding of life like came very quickly as a kid because I under I felt so out of control and the stakes were so high 
that the only thing that helped was prayer. And I'm not like, I don't abide to any religion, but like, I just remember really like praying for my father's safety and like praying for our safety. And it really did make me feel better. And I always felt like no one could take that away from me. Do you know what I mean? Like I was always like that, that for me was real. And my life was being threatened for most of my childhood. So I don't think anything you're saying is crazy. Um, I had actually a similar moment. I realized that I, I've never said something along the lines of like, use me. Like, I think I've, my, my connection to prayer has always been like, okay, like you're going to help me out with the things that I need. Like, I'm going to pray about this and then you're going to help me out with that. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm so like you, like I'm very goal oriented and I'm very task oriented and my entire life has been about like the next step and like how to get to the next step and like my hunger. And I'm like so proud of being so hungry. Do you know what I mean? And I'm so proud of being such a go-getter. Like it's such a part of my personality and like my image and the way that I kind of walk through the world. And I had this really humbling moment because I was like, I, the thing something that I'm open about mental health because obviously it like courses through my family's heritage and our veins. So I have to be very vigilant of it, but it's mostly that like I stand in such a powerful position all the time. It is like my preferred way to walk through the world. Um, I take up space. I'm proud to take up space. I'm very vocal. I can't help it be myself. And then there's that. And then there's like the chronic depression that I deal with. All the, all the time and depression is such a humbling depression is such a humbling existence right and an experience because it teaches you I think for a long time I was like oh my god this weak part of myself right and as I get older I'm like I can't think of this as like my my strong side and my weak side I, I have to like kind of reconfigure my, my thinking around my own depression um and very recently I was like in a really deep dark kind of bout of it and it was the first time that I had the thought of like wow I don't think I can do this without God and I've never thought that do you know what I mean I've always been like God only helps those who help themselves like I'm gonna help myself and then God's gonna sweep in right and a few months ago I was like I don't think that's how this works because sometimes I don't have the strength to get out of bed and it's so hard to talk about because that's not how I naturally walk through the world right and I had this moment of like oh shit like I have to ask God to use me and it has to be his work because if not I'm not gonna I'm I'm just not gonna do it like I'm not gonna make it I'm gonna run out of steam I'm gonna run out of fire I'm gonna run out of power my ego's gonna like totally like take me whole so I'm at that place now and it feels it's hard to not feel like you're giving up um I'm trying to like embrace it from like an open perspective of being like, this is about like sustainability of myself and also my life. Yeah. And I think first off, love we're having this conversation because it's so <laughs> awesome and real. And I, for me, God sometimes talks to me in a way that I would never be able to do for myself. Like I was telling you that I was an extra the other day on set and this guy goes, Oh, what? Like somehow the he came up, religion came up or something like that. And I was like, oh, I'm not religious, like, but I believe in God. Like I, you know, have a spirituality where I have a lot of faith. Um, and I'm very open about it with everyone. It's like, oh, well, how do you believe in God? And I was like, 
because I've experienced him. Like I've genuinely have experienced him. And I challenge like, like I, I've talked about this in the past where like my brothers and my sisters and I, we didn't grow up in a very religious household, but my dad's side of the family was very religious. Whereas my mom's was complete opposite. At least my mom was, my grandmother's very like, let's put a candle, you know, like she's like that. But my mom was very like, no, um, she was just very like, oh, do good, good will come kind of thing. But that's very like just a saying. That's not really spirituality. That's just like you think good. But for me, when I grew older, especially like two or three years ago, and I always think about Easter being my anniversary of really finding God. And it's funny because I remember my senior year, it was actually the junior year of college. I had never been to church. I sat down. And very opposite to you, where it's like you say you take up space. I was opposite. Like I was very timid to take up space. I was very timid to talk about things. Like I said, filled with anxiety. Um, I did a voice memo on my phone. It was so weird. And I said, God, I want you to send me on a spiritual journey. I want you to show me that you're real. I want you to kind of take the lead and just, I need to go on a spiritual journey. Then one day my boyfriend and I were like walking around and we stumbled into some church. He's like, oh, why don't we go in and we go inside? So I was like, okay, cool. And it was kind of like a church, but they were non-denominational. And then I saw another friend that was going to church. And this was a church that was locally in Miami. So I was like, I want to start going there. And like I would say, like Easter was my anniversary of like first kind of getting into spirituality. And now I feel like anytime something happens to me, I go straight into prayer. I go straight into worship. I go straight because when things are out of my control, I'm so glad that I have the tool of like surrender, trust. I know the best is yet to come. I know that you've got my back. I know like literally this happened the other day where it was like, I pretty much, and something was happening with my job that was working in New York. And the woman that I was working with, I think was kind of like, not giving me a good rep around town. And I knew that I was not going to be able to get a job on the same company because every time they would go back to my references, then that's when the problem was coming up. So I knew it was coming from that source. So after I had an interview, they're like, cool, we'll check your references. And right after I hung up, I said, I know what's going to happen because it's, there's a pattern already. It's going to be a no. And I broke down in tears. And then I ran to my computer and I was like, okay, Let's look for a job. And I started crying because I was like, God, I don't want to find a job. I want to be an actress. Like, this is all I want. I just want to be an actress. I don't want to go look for another job. And I was crying and I was worshiping and I was praying. And then right there in that moment, my acting coach called me and said, like, she needed me to, like, help her with sales and she would be paying me. And it was going to be more than I was making at this other job. And it was like, wow. And it was going to give me freedom to work from home. And it was like, oh my God, like, and there's so many times where that happens where he just like plants a vision in my head or I'll go to bed like super stressed out and I'll just pray. And he'll be like, Liz, you really are suffering with a lot of this or your ego or that. I like, he just tells me like rest the other day. He like told me, he's like, rest my creative little fucking child. Like you're so creative. You want to create so much, just rest and like trust. And it's so, and that for me is like, I always I challenge people because I challenged him. Like God challenge him and he will show up. Like literally I've told my brother this many times where it's like, just, it's a personal thing. Tell God, like show up in my life, challenge him. Like I need you to do this for me or I want this in my life. 
or just close your eyes and talk to him and he will like give you visions. He will give you ideas that you've never thought about. And you're like, oh wait, is this coming from my thought or is this you? I think it's you because I don't think this way. You know what I mean? It's just I, so do. I know exactly what you mean. I I I had that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think in my life when people have, I have this one friend. I like to call her my like most cynic friend. Um, <laughs> my like cynic friend. Um, my cynic friend always challenge. Like I can't. I have a hard again. All everything that I understand, I understand. So from like a spiritual point of view, I think because it's the only way. I truly feel like I've been able to survive life, and then not in like a this is how I get up, but like truly just staying alive. Like that, I think is something that I I want to start being more open about because I think that people, I don't know. I think that now, especially on social media, there's like a culture of like uh like acuteness surrounding depression or anxiety like oh I'm like hella anxious right now like whatever and it's like I just want to make sure that people understand that sometimes it means that I don't want to be alive and I want to be vocal about that Mm -hmm. so that if other people feel that way that they're not alone in that experience you know and yeah I think spirituality is like the only way that I actually can stay alive at this moment and I feel like when you are kind of living in those extremes there's nothing but a spiritual existence that you can kind of take on right like mm-hmm. um i think i'm with you i had a moment the other day it's so funny uh i had a moment the other day and i was like i i just don't think i can do this like i, I can't i can't do this this is really hard like if you actually want this career for me like you need to let me know because i i can't i can't like it's so hard the, the, the internal work that takes precedence is just, is just insane. This is just absolutely insane. Like, if you want this for me, you need to let me know and I will move. But I will only move when you tell me to move because at this point, I don't know how else to figure this out. And I wrote a letter. I, like, wrote this long letter just being like, I, you need, this is yours. I'm giving it all back to you. I thought that this was like me. I'm so talented. I'm so gifted. Like I got my stuff, but actually it's all yours. It's always been yours. Anything that's happened in my life has always been by like miraculous breath. It hasn't been from my like strenuous work. It's always been that like you come in at the last minute and like fix it all. So I'm just going to give this all back to you. Thank you so much. Do with it what you will. And literally, and it had been like weeks of silence like weeks of silence. Like I hadn't heard from anyone. I had like not gone to a meeting in a while. And I woke up the next day and at like, I don't know, 8.45, 9 o'clock in the morning, my manager calls me. And he's like the first call of the morning. And he was like, hey. I was like, hey. He was like, I don't, I'm not really that sure why I'm calling. I'm on my way to the office. I just thought I would check in on you. Like, how's it going? And I thought, okay, got it. I'll listen. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll keep listening. But but from here on out, I'm just going to keep surrendering to you. And then you just have to tell me what to do. Because if I have to figure out on my own, I'm not. I'm just not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't think so, you know? I think surrender is one of the bravest things that we can do. And a lot of people will say, wow, like, at least that was my perspective when I first went to church. I was like, you guys are weird. But like, yeah. I realized, now I'm realizing the fact that I can throw my hands in the air and say, I surrender all of it to you, all of it. I surrender my life to you. I'm no longer afraid of death. I'm no longer afraid of the unknown. I'm no, I had a paralyzing fear of death 
obsessive, mm. obsessive. Like I'd be like, why is no one talking about the inevitable? Like oh I would be obsessive and like, just like that's where my panic attacks would like lead from. Cause I'd be like, Oh my God, this or that. I can't go out. I can die. I'd be like, it was just like constant, like paralyzing fear. And then he would come to me like in dreams and like would save me from like burning buildings and take me like on magic carpet rides. And I would see like color. I mean, like I've had weird freaking dreams where I'm like, and I will tell people, I'm like, I just had a God dream because mm-hmm. those dreams are like, I had one where I was like, suffering and like he like told me like to lay down and like it was the first time I was able to like breathe you know and it's like it's so crazy and so like I I love that you talked about that like surrender and Oprah has a beautiful story that I don't know if you've heard her but like when she got her um when she got her role for the color purple yes that she like went to the ranch and she was like running and she was like if you want me to do this if not like let me let like help me let it go yeah Yeah, so my new like my prayer mantra whatever you want to say it but now whenever literally anything this interview whenever I have a meeting like whenever I have a phone call anything I start the day literally at the gym this morning I was like okay like whatever needs to go go let whatever needs to come come whatever is mine will stay and whatever Mm. is not will be replaced by what is wow And and I just have to like I just have to say this all the time and again I feel like I'm like rewiring my brain because the other way that I was living is not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Like, and not like in a, let me, like, I just feel like I've hit such a rock bottom with like my own mental health, that this is the only solution now. Absolutely. Um, And the thing is that that I was thinking about the other day is that like, God is going to do what he's going to do anyway. You might as well like be in flow with it. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't surrender, like, he's not going to take over anyway. Like he's doing that. Like that the universe is, is doing its thing regardless of whether you surrender to it or not, but you might as well surrender to it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's more fun. And you might as well co-create, um, you know what I mean? Like be like excited and challenge it and like say like, you know what? This is kind of a vision that you kind of planted in my head and I'm going to run with it. Like when I meditate, I somehow always play the piano. I know that sounds so weird, but every time I meditate, and sing like like meditate my hands start going like this and it's so, so weird wild. i don't play the piano but I every time every time i like meditate and listen to music and i'm in stillness my body wants to start going like this and then i start saying do i need to start playing the piano are you telling me that like i need to start like learning an instrument and he tells me all the time like elizabeth you're a singer i know that you think you're an but you're a singer and then when people like when i'm in like walking around like in life that's so funny like when i'm walking around people be like oh do you sing it's like this weird thing that comes out is like do you see something that like it's so weird and i don't talk about that to people but like god always tells me honey you're a singer you're a singer and i'm always like whoa this is weird it's so weird but there was one more thing that i was going to say now i'm i don't want to forget to say it which was, I don't remember what it was. That's okay. Mm, um, it was so good. And I can't remember now. Let it come back. Let it come back. It will come back. It will come back. Okay. So let's talk about this. What is the best habits that you are proud of and that you think that other people can benefit from? It's so funny. I think my addictions and my eating disorder have been the most spiritual teachers I've ever had in my life. I think 
that after 10 years, the most important thing I learned was relax first. What I mean by this is that when I, and, and the world wants to like support you in this method. When I was in the midst of my eating disorder and even like my own kind of like substance abuse, I, I remember that immediately if I was like feeling out of sorts with my body or if I was like becoming unhappy, my first instinct was to like plan the next six months and like track every meal. And I was like, okay. And then tomorrow I'm going to go to the gym at five and then I'm going to be at the gym at five every day. And then like creating a true sense of control. Um, and I would quickly like go through what my plan was and then I would bring out and then I would like be right back at square one. Right. Like it was so unbelievably unsustainable. The, like the, the grip of panic that happens and then you want to control it, you plan it out, you try it out and then you fail mm. like a perpetual endless vicious cycle. And what that taught me is that when I feel the angst, when I feel the grip of panic, of feeling out of control, I have to relax first. Meaning the instinct is no longer to, I have to fight the impulse to plan my next 25 meals and my next week of workouts and whatever. I have to instead just be like, breathe. Tomorrow you'll just like eat a little better. Breathe. Maybe you'll go on a run in a couple of days. Breathe, right? Like, and that becomes like a kinder, softer dialogue with myself. And I find that that's applied again and again and again throughout my life. Whenever I'm like in the grip of panic and in the grip of anxiety, and my instinct is to be like, I'm gonna cold email 12 million people, I'm gonna bang out a treatment tomorrow, I'm gonna go to the gym, and then I'm gonna just like email and call. And like, whenever I'm in that, I have to breathe. I have to like go the opposite direction of where I normally would go and just breathe and be like, okay. Show me the next step. What is the next actual thing that I feel like needs to happen? Let's just do one thing at a time. Wow. Um, that's been the biggest lesson. And again, it all comes back to like, what's going to keep me alive longer? Like, yeah. I know that's really bleak, but it feels that way in my heart. This way is not sustainable. Um, and what actually happens is that you end up making a bunch of actions that don't support your the greater picture in actuality, right? Like, that's why this waiting period has been so hard because it's like my impulse wants to just get started on something, anything. And what often happens is that I'll get started on things that I don't actually want to do just because I don't want to wait. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes the lesson is just waiting. Like you say, God talks to you. I feel that all the time. I'll get super angsty and then I'll start crying and I'll be like, this is so hard. And I will literally feel God be like, it's okay. Like, wait, like I'll literally feel like God, like petting me being like, you're doing good. Like, this is what you're meant yeah. to be learning. You know? Yeah. That's so crazy. It's called a uh, striding. It's when we want to stride, when we feel, when you stride, it's that you think that you can without him and that you feel like I need to do more. And I'm so glad you said that because I'm realizing I'm actually doing that right now. Mm. I'm actually like, doing that, uh, I need to do more, I need to do more actions, I'm not doing enough. And then I'll see friends of mine being series regulars or doing that. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not there yet. I need to be Completely. doing this and doing that. And then I take moments where I'm like, Liz, like, 
you know, cause your life, obviously there's moments when you're like, okay, Easter's coming up. Like I say, like I have moments in life where you look at, you're like, oh, maybe it's your birthday or maybe it's like a milestone where it happens every year and you look like, holy damn, I've come so far. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get excited because I'll be like, oh my God, everything I know right now, if I just continue in this path, like what's to come in the next year? Like you're still so young. Oh, like this is going to go well. Just enjoy the ride. Like there's so much more to come. So yeah, I really feel that. And like the whole, like I'm the same where we're like, I plan and, you know, I um, haven't struggled with like eating disorders, but I have struggled a little bit. And it's hard, I guess it's like there's there's a very fine line because since I've never struggled with eating disorder, it's like I don't know if I have or I haven't. But mm. for a long time, like when I was a kid, I would hide food. Like there would be food in the house and I would take it to like a specific room and eat it there. And like because I didn't want people to see me eating it. And it was like it would be junk food or something like that. I would like eat it by myself. And then I had a friend in high school that she had a – Uh, eating disorder and her sister had like anorexia and she was bulimic and so like I would see her vomit her food and then like Mm. being around her for some reason like was kind of influencing me that I should do the same like if you didn't like what you ate like you should throw it up because it was like a good way of not like in like you didn't you got to enjoy it but you didn't actually have to eat it thankfully I never ended up going that route because like I just didn't I don't I've never liked the idea of hurting myself like Um, I've had family members that have been like cutters and stuff. And I just, for me personally, like I've already been so hurt by the world. I just couldn't fathom the idea of actually hurting myself. Thank God. Like I never ended up hurting myself in that way. But now what I see with myself with food is that I do build a lot of like my identity around being like trying to be healthy and especially like also promoting health to others. So whenever I don't eat healthy, I was realizing that it would be hesitant. Like I couldn't eat a bag of chips. I couldn't, you know, enjoy like gummy bears. I couldn't do this. It's like, Oh no, this isn't healthy. Oh no, this is sugar. And like, I do this thing where it's like, anytime I eat something, I tell myself like, this is, Oh, carrots, vitamin K. Oh, this is like, I label everything in the sense like, Oh, today you're taking this. Uh, This is good for calcium. This has iron. You should eat this. You shouldn't eat meat because you're killing animals. Like everything I do is like moral. You know, like everything. I So then it scared me because one girl, when I was like, she's like, oh, you know, a lot of people will be vegan because they're trying to hide an eating disorder. It was the first time somebody said that to me that I was like, <gasps> like, is this true? Is this factual? So I guess like, I don't want to just like take on whatever this person like kind of said to me, but I did allow myself to say, you know what, if I feel like having ice cream, I'm going to have ice cream. And while I eat it, I go, I enjoy this. And it's, it's a process. Like I will feel the 1000% the guilt comes out. Like food, food as like a moral compass is really, I mean, that's one of the first things you kind of have to like train yourself out of like, cause it's not, it's, it's like food gets to be moral. And then also you are good or bad depending on the things that you intake. Mm -hmm. It's so tricky. Do you know what I mean? It's so tricky and it is so allowed in a world that is like so obsessed with fitness and health, you know, it just like you, your behavior gets excused because you're supposedly engaging in a healthy behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I really relate to that. I relate to that. And you have, I, I just don't think that 
I think it's a process, you know, and I think that the awareness of it is like all you can be grateful for. Right. Yeah. And even so how you're talking about like food with correlation of good and bad, like kind of the way it happens to me sometimes is like, you know, how go get her, go get her, go get her. So like, I'll be like, today, I kind of just want to like watch a movie and eat ice cream and maybe some popcorn. And is that okay? And then it's like, no, Elizabeth, like you can't just, and mind you, like I work from home. Mm. I'm my own boss. I don't have school. I don't have, and I could literally, if I wanted to take a four week vacation, if I could afford it, a four week vacation, but I'm so busy because of my own accord, but Mm. to sit down and like, just go to a beach and read a book. No. Or enjoy ice cream. Like it's just, no, you know? Yes, I do know. I think I honestly think that I my next step is like learning how to incorporate that because uh, I think I just like was go, 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 crash and burned. Hmm. And then I it's like I feel the I feel like a loving hand of God being like, stop, just stop, like take a day. I got you, but you need to calm down. Yeah. And I think about that because I think about like if I want this, if this career is going to go the way that I like want it to go and the way that I feel like it was called to go, it's only going to get so much crazier. Like that, like self-imposing the crazy even more makes me feel like that's the thing that's going to really like burn me out forever, like an, an unsustainable amount. Um, so I feel that hard and it almost, I do understand that surrender sometimes feels like it's kind of, insane the way that it feels right because you're like I'm just trusting that this is I'm trusting you and I'm trusting that you exist and I'm trusting that you have my back and I'm trusting that like this is actually the way that the world is supposed to go is like this constant surrender and that like God just gets to get invited into every aspect of your life that feels crazy you know what I mean like that level of trust and intimacy with a spiritual being feels insane um so I get it I get when people are like this sounds crazy what are you doing you're just surrendering and then like you're just having a spiritual day because like you stayed in bed today and you're like yes yeah (laughs) but you know what is crazy my lesson (laughs) what's crazy is that you can do that because you have felt it somewhere in your heart you know what I mean like it's not crazy to you because it's your reality you know what I mean and I guess like sometimes for me it's like when other people don't see it, I'm like, that's just because that's not what you see. Like you haven't seen what I see. So yeah, I think, I think that's great. I want to ask you this question. So, and I think it's a good leeway. What's something you wish more people knew about you? What is something that I wish more people knew about me? Um, that I am really, uh, lighthearted is not the word, but that I lead with humor. Um, I think multiple things happen. I think that I, like, I'm kind of an intense person. Um, and people assume that, that, it, that there's like a level of density that comes with that. Uh, or they'll hear about my life and they expect that the things that I write about or the way that I'm going to talk about it is actually more like Maria full of grace. Right. <laughs> Which is like, couldn't be more different. I think sometimes I have to give permission I have to give people permission to laugh around me, right? Or to like realize and catch up to the fact that like I lead with wit and humor. um, And that is more like my speed and where I'm at 
then I think that the heft that people assume happens when someone who engages with the topics that I engage with yeah. walks through the world with. Yeah. I see that. Cause like, I think like how you say that you like, like you feel comfortable being in power and, and things like that. Like mm-hmm. I think maybe people are maybe like intimidated by you because you're such a strong and smart, like, like woman and you, you're opinionated and you, and like you put your thoughts out there. Like I'm sure people can be intimidated by you because even you use strong vocabulary, like, you know what I mean? Like you're, and you articulate yourself well. So it's like, it can come off maybe intimidating. Totally. I, I mean, first of all, thank you so much, but also <laughs> I, I, I do, I, I'm, I'm finding it's not, as I get older, I'm finding the balance between like not excusing myself, but then also like, I, I think I used to like make people super comfortable. So in order to do that, I would just like hold space only for them. And I would like be a really good listener. And I would only, I would like surrender to this active helper. I did that a lot when I was like a teenager. And now I'm like, I'm still going to hold as much space as I'm going to hold. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to like, I'm going to allow my edges to be a little softer, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, I think if people just realize that I was like this, like that I am really sardonic, but I'm also really sarcastic and witty, and that's actually the way that I prefer in my life. Um, I always want that. That's yeah. what I want. <laughs> Absolutely. So, what is some of your best and favorite tools? It could be podcast. It could be book. It could be like your favorite anything that you're just like. Those are the things that I feel like people need to know about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm really big on. I keep this is I don't want people to get obsessive, but there are three things that I do, especially right now. Um, I keep a really clean diet and not because I have any sort of like fitness goals or like weight goals. Um, but I'm just concerned about my mental health. And so I'm just trying to like keep the keep the like influences that could like throw off my hormones as like low as possible. So I keep a really clean diet for that purpose and I work out a lot. And those two things I find are like, sometimes like if I haven't written in a while and I like don't feel inspired, I will have to have a conversation with myself to realize like, Hey, like you're kind of like going through a bout of depression. The fact that you're getting out of bed, you're eating super clean and going to the gym and staying alive is like enough. And I have to have that constant dialogue with myself, you know? So those two tools. And then there's a book lately that like, I I haven't always been ready for this book. You know when you read things and you're like you kind of reject them and then a few years later you go back to them and you're like, "Oh my god, I can finally see this." There's this woman Tosha Silver who's like a spiritual writer um and an astrologer. And she writes only about surrender and like inviting the divine into your life. And I read this I read one of her books like Outrageous Openness maybe 4 or 5 years ago. Yeah. And I was not ready for it. I remember reading it and feeling so much anxiety. I was like, that level of surrender makes me feel so absolutely out of control. I want to throw up. Like, I can't do this. And like in January, I like picked it up and she has this book full of, it's called Change Me Prayers. And it's all like, it's it's just like a book of like little stories and they're witty and funny. And they always end with a prayer of like how to invite God in. And like just surrender to God in every moment, like be it with like your addiction to bagels, right? To like, like surrendering your career or your talents or your craft. 
Um, and I keep it by my bed and I kind of use it as an Oracle. Like what is the prayer that I need for today? And it's been such a lifesaver and it's always spot on. It's always, always spot on. So those are my three tools of the moment. Wow. I love that so much. Isn't that great how sometimes we have a tool that when you need it right there in the moment, you open it and you're like, wow, that's exactly what I needed today. Like, yeah, I'm currently reading You Are a Badass by Jen Chinchero. Love that book. And I kind of like last week, I kind of like talked about it a little bit on social media, but I didn't go into depth about what it was, but it was like I went to church and I've talked about it on my podcast, but I don't have like a great relationship with my dad. Like he's been absent in times in my life and I've always like my entire life has longed for him. I mean, I have like memories of like five-year-old me, like literally crying in my bedroom, playing with my Barbies, like missing my dad, like talking to him on the phone and just like being like so sad and like just wanting to be with him. And then like different periods of my life, like always just having that same feeling, but at just different ages. And I like look at myself now and I'm like, I cannot believe you're still carrying this same pain. Like I remember little Liz having this, like, why do you still have this pain in your heart? Like you're an adult, honey, you're a woman. And like, I'm so sad that you still have this, but I was reading your about us and every day, like when I open it, like I'm like, I'm excited to see like whatever it is that I need to like read today. And one of the chapters is called Forgive or Fester. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was like, you either forgive this or you're going to continue to fester and just allowing it to rot you from the inside. And I guess I thought I was a really good forgiver. And I just feel like it's something I need to be more in the practice of truly forgiving somebody, cleaning a slate. And I think that's hard for me because my hurt and i and i notice this happens with anybody it can be a friend it could be a situation that somebody said something and really hurt me or like my you hurt my pride and like now forgiving you is like i can never look at you the same i will never look at you the same because you hurt me you know what i mean and it's like i don't want to ever be in that moment so yeah i don't know i guess just you remind me about that because it's like it's so interesting like sometimes you open a book and it's like this is exactly what i actually yes. working on yeah. yeah and if you can be- i don't know i just let myself believe that like that's how uh, magical life gets to be and i just i don't know my thought lately has just been like you can always go back to the other way of existing mm-hmm. do you know what i mean like if you want to be like anxiety ridden and crippled by it uh you can always go back to that like that's not going anywhere yeah no yeah and I've I've talked about that before and because that like when I first got into YouTube and I would just like literally hold up a camera and talk about things I was going through and I said that I would say I'm like the reason I'm so joyful and positive is because the opposite is so awful so I have to be like this so yeah next question is what are you currently in the practice of? What are you currently uh, working on for yourself? I don't mean to sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but uh, yeah, <laughs> surrender. I'm trying to surrender in like honestly every aspect of my life. I'm just trying it out. I feel, yeah, yeah I feel like I don't know what else to do. So that's like the practice that I'm in. I'll literally be like, okay, if you want this for me, like show me how. Like, I and I'll do it with anything. Like, I'll do it with like food to eat that day. I'll do it with like, I literally was like, we were doing like a certain kind of like jerk 
press this morning at the gym and I was like, okay, if you want me to do this, like you're going to have to show me that I can't like I literally, I'm just trying to practice this in every aspect of my life. And I feel, I feel like I'm being prepared for bigger things and that because I think that the, the level of surrender is only going to have to keep getting bigger because life will only keep getting bigger. Yeah. I just, so that's what I'm practicing. I just honestly like felt this so present in my heart right now. And when that happens, I have to just say it like you need to be so incredibly proud of yourself, Priscilla, because you're walking with God right now. That's what you're doing. Like that's what you're in the practice of is like fully walking with him. And like, I just, right when you said that something was like, I need to tell you this, like you should be so incredibly proud because you're walking with him and he's just going to lead you somewhere you've never been. So absolutely. Like you should be so proud of that that you're literally saying I walk with you and every that is the hardest thing to do is just to say so hard I trust you in every moment and that's so great because what you're doing is you're setting up your psyche to say no matter what I know what I lead to so when it comes to food when it comes to everything you've surrendered your whole life to him and that's so awesome I'm so glad that you're sharing that like and I was going to leave this to the closing notes, but I'm just going to say it right now is like, I didn't even know that this was where our conversations would go to. So, and I've opened like my platform for Shine Bright as Liz to be more of like a light to the world. And to be honest with you, the reason I started it was because I had told God I wanted to open up a platform that would talk more about him and really just like build his kingdom more and allow myself to just throw myself into service more versus constantly be in actor mode and be like, gimme, gimme, gimme. I just wanted to make sure I was giving back to the world and opening space to talk about anything that there's darkness, bringing it to light, listening to real people's talk, talking about journeys, talking about all of that. And I'm just so grateful that he put you in this conversation. He was like, no, we're going to open this space up because what an awesome conversation of two of my daughters talking about me, like, and in such an encouraging way. So I'm just so grateful that you even were vulnerable enough to talk about that because I honestly didn't even know you were a spiritual person. So it's just so awesome to be able to share such great conversations with you about this. I'm just so happy right now that you're, that you're being so vulnerable. Yeah. I think I don't, I have a lot of hard conversations. I think that obviously you and I got connected because I have, I do have platforms where I like share hard topics and I talk on them. And it, there is a difference when you're talking about something that you're kind of like on top of versus when you're actually speaking from a place where you're not on top of it. Right. Um, and I just have been thinking about that lately and that like, I never talked about the moments in which I, I was like in the middle of something right when I was like in the middle of a hardship in the middle of like an emotional low um and so thank you for holding space and for like allowing us to have this conversation I just think that it's this like most recent kind of like journey and step in my life has just been about how to figure out how to like stay on the planet and I think, like, honestly, the other day, I, like, I did something I never do, which is, like, I, like, bought flowers, because I, I, like, woke up, and I was, like, you know, I grew up in Columbia, like, we love Mother Mary, right? Like, we love Mother Mary. And I woke up, and I was, like, I should give Mother Mary flowers. And I, I did that. I, like, went to buy roses, and then I, like, went to the church, and the church wasn't open, and I was, like, I think I'm doing this wrong. Like, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. But I felt called to be, like, thank you for keeping me alive. Like, like, I just don't always think that I'm going to make it. And like, I really 
I'm grateful that you did. And so now it's that. Now I'm like, now I'm like, okay, you kept me alive. So now I'm going to listen. Like there's no greater gift than that, I think. Right. Right. And it's beautiful because like you said, it's like you've completely changed your life from like panic attack, like from like eating disorder to like substance abuse to mental illness to now surrender to God and gratitude and trust. And it's like, it is a 100, 100% 180 yeah. of a life change. And it's just like, like you said, of like giving thanks. Like when I find myself not giving thanks, I start seeing myself being a little bit more entitled. And then I'm like, hold on, like start throwing back into gratitude, start being more about that. So absolutely. And it's funny you say that, like, I don't know if I'm doing this right, because a lot of people will have imposter syndrome in their career. I have a lot of imposter syndrome yeah. in spirituality. Yes. <laughs> Also, I feel like, I'm like, I'm not a real Christian. I'm not a real, I don't know how to pray. Like, I don't know. You've been doing that. You've been indoctrinated in this your entire life. Like I just got started. I don't know. And I'm not even sure. Yeah. I, I feel that so deeply. I think it's so funny because I do think, I will just say one thing about gratitude because I, I like to keep a gratitude practice, but sometimes I feel a lot of pressure from it because Sometimes I, I, I cannot get myself in like a more positive mood. Like sometimes that is like actually impossible for the mood that I am feeling that day. And sometimes my gratitude is like, I'm bre- like, not like I'm breathing. Now I'm like, not that. Sometimes it literally is like, I got up this morning and like, here we are on this path together. I'm still talking to you. Love you. Like, I don't have to feel good about it. I don't have to feel like some kind of like woo woo I went to um Joshua Tree this weekend way like not that like I literally sometimes I'm just like okay I got up this morning here we go you know absolutely like it's funny because when like I started getting into my faith journey I didn't know how to pray and one day and I actually posted about this one day I told God I was walking around in New York by myself listening to worship music because I'm obsessed it's kind of weird but I'm like obsessed with it because I like really it's really high vibe yeah, yeah it is it is and I, I I'm like I I'm obsessed with being in the same frequency with God because I feel delicious and I feel like I just feel good and so for me like when I'm on that vibe I'm happy and so I like enjoy listening to worship music so especially walking down New York City because there's so much to see there's so much and so I was walking down and I stopped by like um the cathedral on fifth uh, Ave and I like went inside and before I went inside, I said, I'm really scared because I feel like this is going to be a very spiritual moment for me, but I really want to pray in here at one point and I've never been inside and I was by myself, but I was like, but God, I'm going to try to pray in here. And so I was walking around and I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. And then I got to the end. There's like, it's actually like right in the middle of the cathedral, all the way at the back. There's like this glass door and it's beautiful because it's like Catholic, right? So it's like extra. And so I like walk in and everybody's like kneeling. And it was like an eat, pray, love moment for me. But I like went down, I like put the thing down. I like got on my knees, I put my hands up and I like was like, God, I just want to. And he was like, shut up. And he was like, boom. It was like, he was loud in there. He's like, stop acting like you're a Christian. That's oh not how you pray. I was like, how did I do this? I don't know. Oh my God. I don't know how to pray to you. He's like, just listen. I was like, just listen. Stop pretending. He's like, come as you are. I'm not that far. I'm right in front of you. Like, just listen to me. And he's like, will you listen to me? And I was like, yeah. He's like, okay, stop pretending. 
you are enough for me. You're enough. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to pay extra. You don't have to read your Bible every night. You don't have to do that. Like, that's not what I want. I want you to listen to me and I want you to grow and I want you to co-create with me. And when I tell you this, I want you to take it into consideration. And, you know, I love you just the way you are. And so I was like, wow. And so I walked outside and, and um, I, he, he, it was a weird moment because I've had a couple of these, but it's like, it's days where I feel like they're no, they're not days. It's like a big learning lesson. And I was walking. He's like, look at the mirror. You see the mirror? Like he's like the, the window of like Gucci and all these, cause I'm walking down the baths. It's a lot. He goes, I don't want you to be about those things. I don't want you to be about the world. I want you to see people. You see this kid on the street right here, this homeless. He's like, that's my son. I want you to talk to him. And it was like moments like that where he's like, I don't care. I don't want you to care about the material. I want you to care about what I care about, my people, my kids. That's where I want your love to be. Like, you want to make a difference in the world? Be about that. Those things will come and they'll be great, but that's that's temporary. Mm. And, you know, and he's like, and I don't want you to get lost in that. I want you to get lost in, you know, talking to my kids, be there for them, be a light, you know, take, be the, be the person that stops and, and, and chats and has a conversation and, you know, don't just walk by. And so that the episode six, where I, I talked to a homeless person where I just get on the floor and I was like, Hey, like, how's it going? And he's like, mm. hi. And right when I asked him, how's it going? This kid just started talking. Like, mm. and, and then I told him, I was like, you know, I felt like compressed in my heart that God told me to talk to you. He goes, funny because I don't pray but today I asked him to I prayed to him and I was like wow so it's like you never know who's who's how he's going to use you to be someone else's you have no idea you know and like I'm always that one person where I have had friends where I'll text them and they're like oh my god Liz like how did you know that I needed that today and I'm like well God's really good at doing that with me like because I ask him use me like you said use Mm -hmm. me I always say use me you know and there's a really good book own the moment by carl lenz and i would really mm-hmm. recommend you read it and i had the audiobook but he says that he says um every day the hillsong pastor yeah yeah it is he, he it is right yeah yeah and he has this really awesome book it's called own the moment and you can actually get it for free on audible if you've never had an audible book and i had never so a friend of mine had told me do the audio because he talks in it. And so it was kind of like a podcast. So I would listen to it on my commutes to New York and to the city. And there's a story that Carl talks about how he was also just getting into his faith. And uh, he was working like a Gucci, uh, being a doorman. And mm-hmm. there was this like, you know, this big guy with a lot of jewelry with his mamacita, you know, walking in, he's going to buy him stuff. And, you know, and Carl was like, so God was like, uh, tell him God loves him. Carl's like, what? <laughs> you know, this guy's like big, right? So Carl opens the door and he goes, I want you to know that God loves you. <laughs> and the guy comes up to Carl and he's like, what did you say to me? He's like, God loves you. He's going to use you for great things. <laughs> and then uh, that, the guy's like, you don't know me. Okay, you don't, you don't know me. And Carl's like, yes, sir. I don't know why I said that. I'm dumb. <laughs> but at the time, Carl wanted to go to Australia so he can start practicing ministry and um, it costs a lot of money. I think it was like two thousand dollars that he needed. So this guy comes back, chasing like back to where Carl was. He's like, "What'd you say to me again earlier today?" And he's like, "Sir, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know what was going through me." He's like, "No, no, no, but say it again. What did you say to me?" He's like, "I said God loves you. And he's gonna use you for great things." He goes, "And why do you believe that?" He's like, "Because I believe in God, and I believe that He's gonna do great things for you." 
He's like, well, I want you to come to my office and I want you to tell me why you believe that. So he goes to this like beautiful office in New York City. I mean, like penthouse, like gold, everything. And um, the guy was like, I don't want to butcher the story, but I, I think that the guy was like obviously emotionally touched by it. And um, I think Carl prays for them or something like that. And the guy writes him a $2,000 check. And it's like all because Carl like listened and was like, God loves you and he wants to use you. And it was like the most weird situation where it's like, why did I say this to this guy? He's going to kill me. I'm going to lose my job. Like my job is not to say anything. I'm just a doorman. I'm a nobody. And yet now he's able to go to Hillsong and like go to Australia and like start doing. So it's just like, I, I love own the moment. Like I will go back and I'll listen to it because he just talks about so many things about being that person text to somebody when they need you or, just so I like highly recommend that book, but yeah. I will take a look. I think you just reminded me of something that I feel that is part of this process, which is like, you know, whatever it is that you call it, like if it's God, divine beloved, like I feel like I like change the word for it all the time. Um, Because I'm really passionate about people having like a relationship to the universe. And sometimes if it's like, the word God is so charged for so many people mm-hmm. that I realize I'll have to like switch it up in order to like be heard in that moment. Um, but recently I realized that I was like, I think it's so scary to say like, make me want what you want because you think your brain thinks it's going to be so different than what I want. I don't want to like let go of the things that I want or something, or I don't want to whatever. And I was thinking the other day, but I was like, Oh, like, God might know, God knows probably not only what is best for me, but also maybe probably what will make me happier. Like I had this, this whole moment of realizing that I was like, I might be a happier life if I just listen to the guidance that is like being thrown at me. Um, it's a totally new thought. Do you know what I mean? Of like, of like, Oh, just like on a, on a, on a day to day fulfillment, like mood level, he might know how to make me have more life in me day to day by things that I don't know yet. That really inspired me to be like, okay, cool. Cause I can be so miserable by myself. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm so like, again, like I'm just so happy that you're even opening up space to like talk about this. Cause I know that it's funny. My sister the other day called me like, when I lived in Texas, me, my sister, my mom, and my whole family moved to Texas for three years. Texas is a Bible belt. Like you will be touched by somehow like faith. And again, like I was not in a position to ever talk about faith or religion or anything like that. And I was like, that's when I was most vocal about things because I came from Miami. Like we're all like democratic. We all like love gays. When you get to Texas, it's like not that. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't support gay marriage? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, why is this a conversation that we're even having, like, in 2012? Like, I was shocked. I was shocked that my teachers were talking about, like, not liking Obama in class. I was like, this is illegal. You're not allowed to have this conversation. And I would have teachers be like, honey, have you been going to church? I'm like, you're not allowed to ask me that. Separation, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I was just so like that, right? But anyway, my sister was highly influenced by the church when she lived in Texas, and I was not yet touched. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, right. So she was very touched. She would listen to like music, she got into singing. 
And I would go, I remember one time going into her room and it was like this like light was in her room. And I was so like, wow, like she's so like in this weird space that I just was not in. I'll never forget that day where I'd like walked into her room and I felt that. And um, she's kind of no longer in that. Like she doesn't go to church anymore. Like, you know, she's kind of no longer in that. But one day she called me and she's like, hey, you know, I, I think I want to go to church. Like, you know, I've been seeing that there's a pattern in people that do kind of have faith and they just seem happier. Like they just all somehow seem happier. Like there's a joy there. And it's true. And in my last conversation with my friend Mark, he was saying how highly successful people all have elements of faith. And it's like, yeah, they all somehow thank God. They all say that they're co-creating like Oprah's, Tony Robbins, like anybody, like, you know, these big people like The Rock, like, you know, all of these somehow always talk about how totally God, you know what I mean? Because when life gets so much bigger and I think this is what I, this, this is what I'm really grateful for. When life gets so much bigger than you 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 know the impulse is to like give it up right because it's so much bigger there's no way you could be actually in control of it and the reason I bring up my cynic friend is because life was so much bigger than me very quickly like it just was that is the household I was raised in you know the stakes were just so high immediately so you had to give that up because there's no way you're in control of that moment and I always say, like, yes, if you, if you, it's easy to believe that you're in control because they haven't felt those things that are bigger than them or allowed mm-hmm. themselves to feel those things that are bigger than them. So it's like, I have this one cynic friend that I have a hard time communicating with because again, like uh, everything to me is like so spiritual. And I just always want to be like, go to the red sands of Columbia, like feel the drums for a second and then tell me that like a spiritual existence doesn't exist do you know what I mean like absolutely I I always want to be like get out of the suburbs of Connecticut and experience the world at its largesse and then come back and tell me that right this energy doesn't exist absolutely it's just never been true in my life and so you know I always want people to feel the things that are bigger than them so that they can feel that yeah absolutely and I and like I mean sometimes I just take a second especially like when I'm flying like when I'm on an airplane, I look outside and it's just like, do people ever just take a moment to think, holy shit, like I'm on a planet in a solar system held by gravity. I'm a little fucking being breathing on its own. <laughs> like what? Like we talk about it, right? We learn about it. But for some reason, it's like, yes, it's factual, but we never think about it. You know what I mean? It's like, yes, that is what is. But we never really think, and then like, sometimes I just look outside and I look at clouds and I look at trees and I'm like, how can you not be in gratitude? How can you not believe that there's something out there? And like, just listening that you can manifest anything into your life, that the world is abundant, that it's just all of these things for me, it's like, yeah. And the fact that you said like, you need to go outside of yourself. You know, my partner and I, we always have this conversation because, you know, um, he always thinks that people that like move away or like it was a conversation we were having. It was like, oh, if he feels like if people that like, like move away somehow have a correlation of being unstable, he's like, oh, I'm just going to move. And I'm going to, I was like, but my counter like argument, we just like have conversation in like a non like discussive way, but like coming from two different types of families, you know, I tell him, I'm like, I'm really grateful that my mom was very, um, 
you know, uh, take risks, go out there, see the world, do not be afraid, dream bigger. That for me, moving to LA, moving to New York, like it may seem like I'm being unstable or whatever, but for me, I don't see it like that. For me, it's like, I'm taking risks. I'm going out there. I'm seeing the world. Like, you know, whereas like for him, he's like, you know, you got to plan things out. Like you need to, you know, he has like a more logical approach to things, but I don't know. Like it was just like something I've been like thinking about in my head where it's like, I think that there's like beauty and and new beginnings. Like, you know, there's beauty in saying, you know, what? I'm going to change my life. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do over that. It's like, it's like you pray love, you know what I mean? Like I, I keep referring back to that film, but like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I hear what he says too, which is like, yeah. that's like such a common thing. Like I'm addicted to new beginnings. And so my first impulse is always going to be like, my, I've been in a relationship for five years. My impulse is still, I think it would be easier if we broke up. That's yeah. still my impulse. Do you know what I mean? Because I love new beginnings. I love the release of something. It is, yeah. it is something I actually chase. The idea of staying is not, it, that is not my nature. Absolutely. Um, but life requires that you stay sometimes, right? Um, so I hear the balance, but I also think, I think experiencing the breath of life is like, we only have so much time. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's why I work well in my relationship is because we both have like, like in, in, in theater school, they teach you about like Laban and it's all about like stability needs mobility and like they go hand in hand, like you need both. And um, I always feel like that is the great thing about my boyfriend and I is that I'm very much like, let's go, you know, like see the world, like, you know, how far I'll go. Like I'll listen to like Moana and I just want to like, like you said, it's that, <laughs> that chase of the new and the breath and the fresh air. And then like, I'm there for so long and then I'm like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Like, whereas he's very much more that like that safe ground. And I think there is like beauty and like growing where you're planted and not being so just like out there, but yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause it is true. You don't, you need both of those. All right. Let me ask you this question really fast. Sure. Um, what is advice you would give your younger self? If you learn to accept yourself first, like I think when I was younger, my instinct and I'm so, I'm such like a self-development junkie, right? <laughs> like my first instinct when I was younger was like, I'm not happy with my body. Let me change it. I'm not happy with how selfish I naturally can be. Let me fix it. I'm not happy with how outspoken and tactless sometimes I am. Like, let me fix it. And life has opened up to me in so many beautiful, beautiful ways, including with people and opportunities and jobs. The more I just accept myself. Yeah. right the more that I can like accept my body and accept the way that I do take up space and how outspoken I can be and the way that I have a very hard time apologizing like, all those things and it's not like a, I am this way fuck you it's not that at all it's just like the more I can accept what is the more open I am to actually like existing in a better way I love that so much I love that yeah. so much that's wonderful that's so wonderful. Okay. Let's go into this word game. And this okay. word game is when I ask you this word, you can just tell me what it means to you. Um, yeah. So the first thing I am going to start with is the word love. Love. What does it mean to me? Yes. God. Hmm. 
I'm trying to like reframe. I think I have a hard time with like the idea of God as it was presented to me as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more like energy and it's like this abundant energy that is around us. And the way that I can soften into it is if I understand it as love. Because I do think love has my back. I don't necessarily think God has my back because of the way that like the God idea was like indoctrinated in my brain. Right. Love has my back. I'm working to like make God and love the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. When he's not, when you realize he's not mad at you and like, <laughs> yeah. he knows you, you know, yeah. like he's not like, God is not like a parental that's like, oh, I'm so mad at you. And now I just finally remembered what I was going to say when I lost my train of thought, which was there's moments in my life where I'm, I don't know who to talk to because I don't want to talk to my mom because I don't want to talk to my dad because I don't want to talk to my brother because I don't want to talk to my grandmother. There's just like that, not one person. I just can't find the one person that I just want to talk to in this moment about the specific thing that I don't even know what's going on. Then I realized the only person I can talk to in that moment is God. And and that's what I was going to say when I said, I can't remember what I was going to say, but that's what it was. It was just, that's happened to me so many times where I'm like, I don't know who to call. I don't know who to talk to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I'll write letters like in those moments I'll write letters to God and I'll be like okay here you go oh my god I love that so much oh my god that is beautiful I, I want I want to I'll talk to you about that later but that's so cool you should like <laughs> maybe, maybe write like a story about that or something mm. like, called letters to God Ooh, let's write it <laughs> okay um what does the word success mean to you the word success to me is this is new if you had asked me this two months ago I would have had a different answer the word success to me today is service and I don't mean that in like a I've always been in the service game like like no I mean that like my success is dependent on what I think the universe's plan is for me and I I just have to believe that to my core now I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You know, that's so awesome. Hell yes. Oprah talks about you want to be successful, throw yourself into service. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. She, I was listening to a podcast of hers the other day and she was like, uh, my, I've, my confidence comes from the fact that I might not always know who I am, but I know who's Who's I am. am. I'm a child. I was like, yes. I was like, yes, okay, great. I'm going to take that. Yeah. Yeah. She knows who I am. Yep. She says she's a child of God. And I love that so much because, yeah, I love it so much. And Oprah's the same where she's like, she's Christian based, but she's also just spiritual. And like, she's also gotten to a point where she can allow other people's beliefs, not think. And that's my problem with a lot of uh, some a hardcore friends of mine that are extremely Christian where it's like they feel like it's their way or no way and they're actually inflicting hate and judgment to others and I have really sometimes tried to like be like hey you know let's just love everybody's ideas and love everybody's beliefs because just because this is what you believe does not mean that you're right it's coming from a place of entitlement and you you know what I mean so I so yeah I, I love that so much all right what does purpose mean to you okay um purpose to me the meaning of life is to like live in your purpose so that sounds very simple but it's like as a kid when I was like oh I'm I'm a storyteller I kind of hate that phrase but I knew that I was Mm -hmm. um 
I was like, that's my purpose. And I will let it take whatever shape it needs to take. You know, actually, let me just talk about this for real quick. My dad was like, I have, I have my one phrase. My dad is like, I'm a helper. So the fact that I'm a helper means that I can be a brain surgeon as he was. I can be a Senator as he was. I can be the mayor, whatever. It takes many, many vehicles. And as long as you stay true to your phrase, it doesn't matter what form it takes. And as a kid, I was like, I'm a gatekeeper, right? I have that like tattooed in Hebrew on my wrist because I believe that also, like I, I have always wanted to hold space, both for myself and others. It's not just that like, I'm this like princess of angel who holds space for other people, but also for myself, like to be my own gatekeeper is really important to me also. Um, and so that's what I believe my purpose is. And then it takes many forms, right? Like I used to be a director or, I mean, I still am, but like I went to school for directing and for a while I thought I would be an agent and now I'm like really focusing on my writing. They're all forms of like holding gates open. Heck yeah. I love that so much. Okay. What does the word home mean to you? Um, home is where I am with myself like I never have had an attachment to home in a physical sense just because I grew up in three different countries three different continents my parents were never really under the same roof um like home is where I am safe and that changes yeah what does the word free mean to you um I want it. Uh, I right now free means like being free from the things that like I think I want, but are actually like really ego driven. You know, like sometimes I'll get high on the things that I want, and I'll be like, I'll I'll start like getting super excited about like, oh my god, I want the house and the kids, and like, oh my god, my career and all this stuff, and I like it's about energy, you know, and I want to like consume just the same way that like, if I'm around enough people, I like want to consume them. Right. I get high on the energy of people. Um, and then you crash and burn, uh, every time, <laughs> like every time. it doesn't matter. Like every time that's just my lesson. That's, that's the lesson of my life. I can't preach it to anyone else's life, but it's true in my life. I free. I want to be free from that too. Like, I just want to be free to like keep surrendering and know that things will come. Freedom to me is trusting that the universe has your back. Mm, I love that so much. Okay. I want to say thank you, obviously, again, for being so vulnerable, for allowing us to be in flow, for talking about God with me and, um, and your experience with it and just going deep about your past and who you are and things that you're dealing with. And talking about eating disorders and addictions and all that. Some people don't hold space for that. And I know that I always want to talk about things that people can feel related to and that when they listen to it, they feel like that they're not alone and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And thank you for being brave enough to be that light for somebody um, that maybe isn't at surrender yet or isn't there yet. So thank you for talking about that and that admitting the fact that you're still in the practice of it. Um, and yes, I just wanted to say thank you. Um, well, thank you for holding space. I also was not expecting to, us to go down this path, but I'm very glad that we did. So thank you for holding the space and for going there with me. Absolutely. Go there anytime you want. <laughs> and then 
<laughs> the last thing is I just want uh, to ask you, where can the listeners best find you um, if they want to mm-hmm. connect with you? Um, okay. Well, I do have my own talk show, Kyoto, which I'm working on the phase two of that, but it has a slew of like really helpful videos online. So Kyoto, the show can be found on YouTube. Um, but mostly on my own personal Instagram lately at Priscilla Garcia Jacquet. Um, and I'm there sometimes. I'm trying not to be on it too much, but when I am there, I, I want to be helpful. Absolutely. So more people can communicate. Yeah. And they definitely should check out Kiro because I was on there watching every episode. <laughs> you inspired me so much. I was like, Heck, yes, girl. Thank you. It's coming back. We're just trying to figure out what the second iteration of it is. Heck uh, yeah. So it's coming back. But sometimes that also is part of the lessons. You know what I mean? It's like you want to go, go, go. And then sometimes it's like, I want to, I really want this to be the best that it can be. So let me pause for a second. Yeah. And it was amazing. It was amazing. And like you took your time and you went in production and you went like balls to the walls. Like, I'm like, I can't wait for my things to look like that beautiful. It was beautiful and it was great. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, there you guys have it. That was episode 20 with my lovely friend Priscilla. What a way to end a beautiful mark. I mean, a 20, like a 20 episodes. I'm proud of it. And I'm proud that I was able to end 20 episodes with my guest being Priscilla. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Definitely reach out to her. She's awesome. If you're an actor, keep an eye out for her. This is somebody that's going to be writing your roles one day. Um, This is somebody you want to know who they are. She is up and coming and she is taking storm. Um, So definitely reach out to her. Check out her show, Kiero. It's amazing. She has amazing conversations. Um, It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes. Uh, She has a podcast for it and everything definitely check it out she interviewed some amazing people um so yeah guys i hope you enjoyed today's episode of shine brighter with liz if you did please go ahead and leave me a review share it with a couple friends let them know that you listened to an awesome podcast today on your way to work or while you're cleaning the house whatever it is that you do while you're listening to this and share it along and i hope that they like it too and they share it along as well i hope you guys have a great day keep shining